All right, all right, welcome back. Got a new episode for you. Some of you already might have heard it if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. I did one with Schizotopia again, part two. A a very Q-centered episode again, but also lots of talk about psychedelics and time dilation and alternate realities. The stuff I know you like. And for those Q-tards out there, like me, still hanging on here, got some good news for you. So in this episode, which was recorded about, probably about a week and a half to two weeks since you... Hold on. So it's been probably about two weeks since I recorded this episode. Sorry, that phone kind of screwed me up there. I'm going to leave that. That's fun. But anyway, so... This episode, I think I did pretty good in some of my predictions. Uh, I'm, like I said, I'm recording this. I give When I do an, a podcast and I like it with people, I think it's got good information. I like to repost it on mine as one of my episodes. So this one has a lot of good information, and I think you'll find it entertaining. That's why I... And I also did it and reposted the first one, so I said, we'll just keep it going. So another frequent guest in a weird way, is Schizotopia now on this podcast. So thanks again, man, for having me on. Uh, and I usually won't preface the episodes with me doing a talk like this. I'm not selling anything. I'm not, as he would say, grifting. But uh, I just wanted to give you an update on... We talk about the Kraken, right? At the time we did the episode, we didn't know what the Kraken was. Sidney Powell talked about unleashing the Kraken and what, what that could be. We all speculated. And there's been a lot of things. And I even said in the episode, I said it could either be Flynn or it could be a botnet, I think is what I said. And so... Now, about a week and a half, two weeks later, we can start to kind of really see now what the Kraken really is. And here's an interesting article I came across. This is from deepstate.news. This is not anything where you're going to find CVS's seal of approval. This is the kind of site that'll sell you apple cider vinegar, right? You know what I mean? So this is an interesting story. So situation update, November 27th. This is by Mike Adams. Department of Defense versus CIA firefight in Frankfurt as covert war against the deep state rages across the globe. And that's the thing we always talk about, Trump and the invisible enemy and the deep state and this war that's been going on. And Trump is always talking about this, the invisible enemy. So this is what's happening. So it says, at this very minute, a covert war is raging across the globe, pitting Trump's Department of Defense and Defense Intelligence Agency against black hat deep state factions running the CIA. The good news is Trump is winning. As you know by now, the Department of Defense launched a raid on a CIA-run server farm in Frankfurt, Germany, to secure servers that contain proof of CIA interference with the 2020 election, i.e. backdoor manipulations of election results via Dominion voting machines. But new information is now surfacing that indicates there was a firefight at the server farm facility involving U.S. Army Special Forces units engaging with CIA-trained paramilitary units that were flown in from Afghanistan in an emergency effort to defend the facility. One CIA officer was killed during the firefight, and he is now being reported across the mainstream media as being killed in Somalia. 
Five U.S. Army soldiers were also killed, and they are being explained away as dying in a helicopter crash in Egypt. Despite the deaths, the servers were successfully acquired by the Department of Defense, and those servers were turned over to President Trump's private intelligence group, which is now once, a, once again led by General Michael Flynn recently pardoned and now and now allowed to process top secret information since his security clearance has been restored now here's where this gets good sydney powell is about to roll out expert witnesses in the georgia and michigan lawsuits one of these witnesses has been one of these witnesses has been handed details of the vote theft which were acquired through two means first the Kraken Cyber Warfare Program run by the Department of Defense, and two, information found in the servers which were acquired during the multiple raids. There were also server farm raids in Barcelona and Toronto, as we are told. One of the witnesses is a Dr. Kashavitz Nia, a well-known cybercrimes investigator who has a long history of working with U.S. military counterintelligence as well as the NSA and CIA. He has now offered sworn statements to Sidney Powell, which can be viewed at this link. His statements include, I have previously discovered major exploitable vulnerabilities in DVS and ESS that permit a nefarious operator to perform sensitive functions via its built-in covert backdoor. The backdoor enables an operator to access to perform system updates and testing via the internet without detection. However, it can also be used to conduct illicit activities such as shifting votes, deleting votes, or adding votes in real time. I conclude with high confidence that the 2020 election data was altered in all battleground states, resulting in hundreds of thousands of votes that were cast for President Trump being transferred to Vice President Biden. And so the circle is complete. Department of Defense forces deploy cyber warfare weapons, the Kraken, as well as kinetic troops, special forces under the U.S. Army to acquire the physical servers. All information derived from these operations is extracted by DIA forensic analysis. It is then handed over to various expert witnesses who are prepared to testify under oath, resulting in the courts nullifying the fraudulent vote manipulations in the swing states. This is how... This is how Trump gets to 300-plus electoral votes and secures his second term as president. If successful, these revelations will also utterly destroy the Democrat Party and result in thousands of treasonous actors going to prison for their roles in this attempted cyber warfare election theft to overthrow the United States government. And then he lists his podcast, and it's uh, the Health Ranger Report channel on Brighton. It's called the Situation Report. So they better secure these elections because if they don't and Biden gets into power, you're going to have corrupt elections from here on out. I actually went back and listened to the 9-11 Alex Jones Joe Rogan episode where he just lays out the whole plan. And Alex Jones talks about how Hillary had, were able to, in 2016, she was able to take some of these things. They were actually cheating. Trump still had so many votes that he won. But they were cheating in 2016. So Q says elections post-2018, when he made that post in 2020, are secure. And again, you'll hear what I have to say with um, Schizotopia. 
So enjoy the episode, but I just wanted to give you an update on the Kraken. I think it is General Flynn. I also said it was a botnet, I also thought, which is what they kind of talked about in that article with what the Kraken is. So figure it out for yourself. Um, come to your own conclusions. We'll see what happens. There's still plenty of time on the clock for QAnon. But you'll hear it in the episode. I'll stop talking now. Enjoy the episode. Talk to you soon. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and I'll, I'll probably do a best of, or I'll, not a best of, I haven't done enough, but I'll probably do like a year and wrap up episode and then call it a year. So talk to you soon. Now, you may recall, listener, that the last time uh, I had this episode's guest on, I talked to you about the Wubicon, the great river that separates the vast cosmic unknowns from the mundane and commonsensical. In particular, the more outrageous and esoteric aspects of the QAnon movement. I think that many of the people who are in that movement were expecting something monumental to happen before Election Day something that would change the fortunes of the embattled president. Well, the election has come and gone, and it appears that the Donald is done for. Not so, says the many hardened MAGA fans, who seem to be eagerly awaiting Trump to pull some great monster from the swamp. One that will smash his enemies to bits once and for all. I wanted to give our returning guest, who is now our designated Q correspondent, a chance to come on and talk about how he and other folks like him are feeling about their ostensible defeat. Because if there is some Kraken out there waiting to be released, it will be soon. And if that happens, it won't be us crossing the Wubicon, it will be the Wubicon crossing us. And if that happens, listener, you're going to need to learn how to swim. And if you can't learn to swim, you'll at least need to learn how to float. the official podcast of schizotopia.net. As always, I'm your host, Maxwell Cody. And back with me today, by popular demand, the wokest man on Instagram, the Stormbringer himself, the unsinkable Float Universe. Float, how are you? Love the intro there. I'm doing pretty good, actually. All things considered, uh, still very optimistic. How about yourself? Uh, I don't know how I feel. Um, the... Uh, you know, the, the first thing I wanted to ask you is how, how you're feeling about the election, quote unquote, results. Well, you know, I was a little disappointed election night going to bed, really, I mean, probably at two o'clock in the morning, still not knowing what was going on. And then waking up, seeing that, you know, apparently all these things had been shifted in Biden's direction when, you know, early in the, early in the night, Trump had a pretty commanding lead. And so, but the thing is, you know, me then resting back on my Q knowledge is like, well, this is what we wanted. You know, the whole Q plan is to bring all, bring these things into the light, expose them. And the only way you're going to expose them is to let them try to try to get it away with it and, and then com- and commit the crime and then show the proof. So a little disappointed we didn't get a blowout, uh, you know, the night of, but then again, if you get the blowout and then he, you know, he does his four years, somebody else gets in power and then the deep state plan is back on. So the, the whole goal with the Q movement uh, is to expose the, the cabal, the deep state, bring darkness to light. 
and that's part this is part of the plan so in a way you know i'm i'm still optimistic the optimism the optimism ends for me i think on um inauguration if trump is not inaugurated i think for me and i, and I think a huge majority of cute people cute people that have been in this much longer than me uh or be that have been waiting for arrest for a long for four years now the, the, you know, the, they still know, the true Q people know that this is, you know, how it, how it had to be. But, uh, you know, it's still promising. And if you're actually following, uh, you know, I don't, I don't follow much of the mainstream media. Uh, and, but I do see what I see on the Twitter and Instagram, what people are actually reposting. But what I see in the underground stuff in the, you know, in the, in the, the feeds and the live videos is much differently than what I saw on election day or what I saw post election day. Uh, a few of the cute things came true in terms of what we were looking for with the Delta of November 3rd, November 4th, which, you know, famously is Podesta and, and Hillary and all them getting, you know, locked up and arrested and arraigned and all these things happening. But you did see the National Guard deploy. I think that was in, t in, in anticipation of rioting had Trump pulled away that night with an actual victory. But I still think uh, they're in place for what they're doing now, which is they're going to they're gonna eventually take it to the Supreme Court, get it overturned. Trump will be stay on board, and then you'll have the actual real rioting because then people think, oh, well, he cheated. So the plan's still in place. Well, last time we talked, it, it, it sounded like if, if there was going to be the big um, Q drop to end all Q drops, it was going to happen before the election. And personally, what I was kind of, what I was kind of thinking is like, uh, you know, JFK Jr. landing his plane on the White House lawn kind of um, shocking revelation. Well, I was looking more on the, the direction of like uh, the famous Hillary stuff that or the Pizzagate stuff. But what we actually got in October was a ton of stuff. We got mainly the Hunter Biden laptop that the mainstream media refused to touch. So there was that, right? There was a huge thing with the people in China that are really are trying to expose the CCP. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of people that are allied with the U.S. and patriots and supposedly extraterrestrials at a higher level um, that are working in coordination to, to bring the deep state, which is not just in the U.S., but it, it, it pervades the entire world, uh, you know, exposes these people and these institutions and these things. And so, yeah, uh, we were expecting a lot. But the thing is, you know, you've got, you've got the hard facts of what the Q posts actually are. And then you've got tons and tons of people speculating on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wild theories, a lot of theories that make sense, uh, a lot of theories that go in the complete opposite direction sometimes that make sense. So it's, you know, as much as we want to have our own theories, as it actually plays out in real time, you can look back and say, well, actually, maybe this is what he meant or, or they meant, you know, versus what we actually thought it was going to be. So really, like I said, yeah, I was disappointed not to see that. But when you understand the game they're playing and you look at the logic of, of how they've been playing, especially over the past four years, he's, he's avoided everything, uh, being impeached and uh, the Russian collusion, all these things that uh, they've been just endlessly shooting at Trump and he's been taking the blows for four years. And so it's just been interesting knowing that, okay, well, he's just going to just lay down and die here at the end. And, you know, getting it, I don't know if we're going to get into the election stuff yet, but I mean, if you look at some of the data, it's just overwhelming that they had to cheat so big because Trump had overwhelming support. For example, OAN released something, I think it was yesterday, about the actual results were like Trump won by actually 410 versus 100 and something. But that's why they had to cheat so big, because if you look at the, if you start to look at the cheating and the fraud, it's like, wow, some of these places, um, they've got more people voting than are actually listed to vote. And you've got dead people voting and you've got 4 a.m. ballot drops and software glitches. And this Dominion voting system has been used in Venezuela and North Korea and all these other places. So, uh, you know, I think this is the goal, which was to, you know, lose the election by letting them cheat you know you, you can't arrest the person until they commit the crime 
So you can, you can, you can say all you want to people, uh, oh, they're doing this or they're doing that, but you have to actually show them. So that's, that's where I'm still at. And like I said, if, it just feels to me that if he loses power, if he, if he can't hang on to the White House, you know, he, he loses the ability to, to, to continue his draining of the swamp. So I feel it's imperative that for Q to continue as a movement, uh, that's, that's the end game right there. That's the end point for, I'd say, a majority of people, except for like the hardcore people who think, you know, like Michael Jackson and JFK are working together behind mm-hmm. the scenes. So, mm-hmm. so um, you, two, two, thing, two things I wanted to ask you. One is um, you don't think, or, or, or let me put it this way. If, if uh, Trump has some overwhelming evidence, if he has some kind of ace card up his sleeve, um, why, why would he wait this long? I mean, what, what information is he still, is he, would he still be collecting? Because for, for the Donald right now, it's not, it's not midnight. It's like two in the morning as far as his, as far as his. Well, that's the, I, well, I know that's the thing. We're really hanging over the edge here and he really wants to, and I don't think it's just him. I think he's just part of a larger group. Q is probably, Q itself is probably five or six people. And then you've got the people that are like white hats within the, the three-letter three letter government agencies. And then you've got people in other countries. And then again, reaching out to the extraterrestrials, if you want to believe that. But, you know, ultimately, it had to be this way. Um, because again, if Trump gets out of office in four years and they lose via another rigged uh, voting election system, that this is what they're trying to do. It's, it's, it's a full on cleaning of the house. And so it's apparently, I mean, if I go back to some of my other talks about how I've talked about this, they've got a, a time lensing device where they're able to look at probabilities of, of moves they're going to make and outcomes versus those moves. So, I mean, that's far out stuff, but this is the kind of stuff I believe in. And I mean, this is this stuff way, way, way precedes Trump, right? The, the looking glass mm-hmm. and all these DARPA, uh, uh, projects are extremely classified um and usaps you know uh stuff like that but what do you think the reason for waiting to drop the drop the hammer so to speak would be because i've heard lots of things about this is all some big sting operation they're letting them steal the elections because they don't realize that they're leaving a huge paper trail um because right okay you know so it's or something like that it's interesting that you said drop the hammer because this really kind of starts with, and I'm going to pull it up here because there's a little bit more than um, what, what I just know about it offhand. I want to pull up the actual information, but there's a, a CIA supercomputer called Hammer, H-A-M-R. And if you go back and, and there's this woman, uh, real Mary Fanning. And uh, so what it says here is Admiral James Ace Lyons told General Thomas McGurney, the hammer is the key to the coup on his deathbed. You know, this, this is a supercomputer super here that they were using with this uh, Dominion software and scorecard to affect these elections. Um, and so the thing was, they've, this, they've had these things, Brennan and Clapper, it says here, on February 3rd, 2009, Brennan and Clapper illegally commandeered the foreign surveillance tool known as the hammer. They privatized it and placed it inside a secret CIA facility in Fort Washington, Maryland for unlawful domestic surveillance. All right, so all this stuff went under, on under Obama. What, what I think their goal was, was to just, you know, obviously keep maintaining power, not have free, real, not truly have free and uh, uh, open free elections but just mm-hmm. always be, always have that ability via these supercomputers these quantum computers that are watching these voting machines in real time trying to rig them to keep up with the actual results coming in i don't know how they work ultimately this is all speculation but so it really does it starts with this computer called the hammer which they've uh, apparently they had commandeered and it was the key to the, the coup and they did not expect um 
Trump to win in 2016. This is why what's happened this year, and if you look at it with the Q movement building up, I mean, this was a summer of just and fall of these accounts being massacred. You've got accounts with hundreds of thousands of followers on Facebook, Instagram, these big groups being decimated, destroyed. So the army, this digital army was decimated running up to the election. And then, you know, as the election's happening or, or weeks up to the election, you've got all this censorship on Instagram, Facebook, you know, they're, they're fact checking everything. They're, you know, putting warning labels on things. They're, they're, they're fact checking the president and saying that he's, you know, post-election is, is saying something that's not true. You know, that's saying that he's won when, when he's, you know, the, the, the media saying he hasn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it does, it starts with the hammer and they're running this software called Dominion and they're fixing these elections throughout the world. And they're, you know, that's what the deep state does. They install, they, they, they find a country they want that doesn't have a central bank. They declare war on, on that country for whatever reason they can come up with. They go in there, they install a central bank, and then through, uh, you know, they get into the government and they do the elections and they throw the governments to their way. So they install people that are embedded in the deep state with them. And that's how they rule the, you know, that's how the deep state works. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that there's any scenario where Trump leaves office and it's still somehow part of the plan? Do you think that there'll, there'll be a Q movement that, um, that, that goes with him? Do you think that Trump might run again in 2024? It, it, I think it would be really over for the Q movement if Trump gets, if he loses power, because the, this is really, if you really know what Q's about and exposing the deep state and bringing these things into the light, you know, nobody knew about these election things until mm -hmm. Trump had, you know, but we'll see what happens over the next few weeks as they bring these things to the lower courts, the lower courts kick them back. Ultimately, what you're going to see is a Supreme Court um, decision. And, you know, I think it's going to be for Trump because over the past few years, especially in the past month, he's loaded it with his people. So, and people that I might add worked on some of these three or three or four of these people worked on the Bush v. Gore case on Bush's side in 2000. So there's all kinds of things that if you start to explore uh, things that they don't talk about in the media, you, you realize all kinds of things that are like, wow, like there's a whole side of things that there's a whole narrative that they want you to see and they want you to not see. And, uh, you really have to go through Instagram and Twitter. Like Twitter is really where you're going to find all the wealth of all this information. I, you know, if, if, but, if, if Trump was somehow still able to win in the courts, the level of civil unrest would be cataclysmic. That's the plan. But here's the thing. If you follow Q, Q has been saying this whole time that this was their plan, which was, they were either going to riot because Trump won or they were going to riot because Trump, uh, you know, look, it's perceived that he stole the election. So that's why the media at this point, uh, maybe they know that they're uh, caught and they're, you know, they're going to be exposed. But at this point, maybe push the narrative as, as far as you can towards, you know, Biden's legitimacy and Trump being the one that's going to come back and say, you know, I'm, I'm stealing it. And then he's the bad guy again for four years. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. But, you know, Q says that this is a show and to enjoy the show as the deep state is continually drained. So for me, sitting in that, you know, that's the thing, you either believe Q or you don't, right? And so for me, I believe Q, I believe that Q has proven to me over the past four years that uh, there's legitimacy to the post. Now, how you interpret those things as true or not, that's up to you because again, there's a raw set of data, these Q posts that you can go look up and then there's your own interpretation and then you can look at other people's theories. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, in my opinion, uh, you, there's no Q movement after uh, the inauguration, if, if Biden's in office. I, I really, I just don't see that. Now, I do see Trump trying to come back in 2024, but I don't see, I see the Q movement because this is the big, this was the big part of the Q movement. This is the buildup. And here's the thing. If Trump retains power, then you see the, the arrests 
Then you see him, him doing all these things that we've been waiting for in terms of the Q people uh, that he couldn't do until these things had, uh, you know, until he got the presidency for the second term. First of all, he had to drain the swamp enough in the first four years where he could get to the point where he could have somewhat of a chance in the justice system and uh, have people in the Senate in the right position. And then who knows, at the end of this election, they might have the House too. So um, there's a lot still up in the air. I mean, as we sit here recording this episode, the election's undecided, the media's calling it, but that's the plan though. You know, and Q talks about this as well. All assets are deployed. Meaning the media is controlled by a conglomerate of like, you know, billionaires and trillionaires that are all part of the deep state, so they say. So you're, you're gonna get a unified message of, you know, even Fox, that was the thing. I'm not a Fox person, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, but I, a lot of my friends who are Trump supporters, even my parents were just really, they were all disgusted that uh, Fox was calling all these states super early for Biden, even though Trump had the commanding lead in, on the screen. So people just didn't know what to think the night of the election, but me knowing that all assets are deployed. And you, you know, the thing about Fox is too, when Murdoch got, got out of the, the news side of it, he, I guess he gave it to his sons and they, they're super liberal. And so they decided to go in a much more liberal direction as uh, as time goes by, and I guess this was their big point where they said, you know what, we're just going to, they wanted to call it first, I think, in Arizona, which it was. So um, a lot of things, a lot of weird things happened. Trump at 2 a.m. got out and said the, the, the night of the election, uh, hey, you know, watch out because they might be dropping, uh, you know, a bunch of fake ballots at 4 a.m. And sure enough, that's what they did. So wouldn't, okay, but wouldn't the, the, the counter argument to that be that um, Trump supporters showed up to vote at the polls, whereas they waited until later to count all of the mail-in votes, which overwhelmingly favored Biden. I've heard that theory, and I agree with that to a degree, but a lot of statistical data does not agree with that. And, uh, you know, the, the numbers where you've got, I've got it here. Like I said, you've got, you've got a server rate in Germany where the Dominion system's held, where it, it, the map is showing actually that Trump even pulled California into the red. So it was like 410 or whatever the remainder of that is, I can't remember. But you've got the physical impossibility of four data spikes totaling 384,733 ballots allegedly being processed in the interval of two hours and 38 minutes, which is physically impossible given the amount of equipment available at those centers. Like I said before, you had the hammer and the scorecard. In one area of one batch of votes, Biden had a 99.9%. The only person uh, that it did better, or it did not, it did do better than him, but matched him was Kim Jong Il. I mean, you had uh, <laughs> Castro ninety nine point four and Bashar at ninety seven point six, and so these are the same countries that are using these Dominion type systems. And so the hope is that these things will be exposed. That the deep state, this is their, this is the, this is the way they operate. They don't run a fair election, and uh, the reason. It's, it's going to shock people that when they're going to see how many how much they had to cheat to cover this, the, the amount of votes that Trump actually had. That's why these numbers really don't add up. You've got dead people voting. You've got, um, you know, the glitches that they've been switching back. And it's been thousands of votes when they switch those glitches back. Um, you, you, you weren't allowed to watch the polls. You had backdating. You know, you've got so many whistleblowers coming out now. You've got video evidence of ballot destruction. You've got a video evidence of the night of the election that the computers would take the, uh, in real time, the people at the bottom of the screen, the election results, and they would take like 540 for the Republican. And then that would switch directly to plus 540 for the Democrat. So just a lot of weird things that were out there in the open for people to see if they knew what they were looking at. And so, uh, you know, again, coming from this place of Q wanting to expose the deep state and the election fraud, that's why it's like, okay, it's bummer, but 
this is part of the plan. I, I, I was like, man, I really wanted to see a blowout because, you know, prior to this election, you're seeing, and I agree with you, like the, the liberal and the Democrat, a lot of the Biden, people that would support Biden, they're not going to come out and they're not going to go to the polls. So there is an argument to be made. And, and, and somebody made this the other day uh, that so many people hate Trump. I'm like, it's, it's quite possible that the media did such a good job over the past, which was lie about a lot of things and then over-exaggerate the things he did do and then not report there's not a wash, so I, I I I am open to that possibility that uh, there's that many people, amount of data and things coming out and people whistleblowing and it's what these are gonna get kicked up to the Supreme Court. Don't forget Bush v. Gore. You know, it's it's a much w- w- wackier situation than Bush v. Gore, but you know that's how Bush got the presidency and and, and Gore was the president elect for 37 days. I mean, I mean personally, I believe that Gore won Florida. I think that um, it's it's kind of ridiculous to argue that he didn't. I think that the Republicans won Florida in 2000 basically through bullying. But also this would be, if we're going to use the Bush v. Gore analogy, um, this would be like five or six Floridas. This would be this would be like six times the headache. Um, if if that's if, what I mean, it's it's yeah. a much larger, wackier. It's a, it's a, it's a much wackier. I mean, it's been it's the year 2020, and here's the thing, they want to. The, the, the globalists, how, how's the connection, by the way? I don't know. I hear you breaking up a little bit. Am I breaking up? Uh, the, you had, you had a, few short, um, a few short drops. Okay. It was nothing too bad. I, I, I don't know. Maybe the deep state's not knocking the connection down. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's been 2020. And so what you're seeing is this. The, the New World Order, the Illuminati, a.k.a. the deep state, they did not want Trump. They, they didn't expect Trump. Trump has put a huge monkey wrench in their plan for the past four years. He's undone a lot that, you know, they really want to redo it. They don't want to, they have to get the white house. The main thing is Trump is going to, if he gets reelected, bring us back to gold and he's going to end this slowly dissolve and end this fed federal reserve centralized banking system. And that's is why they're going to push as hard as they can right now for this, this great reset which is they either have to have some kind of they have to have a war or they they really were pushing for this coronavirus to be worse than it was which is why they're pushing for this second wave more lockdowns they really it it feels like they want to destroy the middle class they want to make the billionaires richer the trillionaires richer and and impose more control on us so uh, i really i hope hope trump stays in office because i from the from the people like why do you like trump why do you like trump he's this he's that he may be a lot of those things and I don't believe half of those things people say because the media just straight out lies. But one thing I do know from watching him, he has been dismantling a lot of the stuff that the deep state has been trying to do. And they have been very pissed off about it. So it's been an interesting dance the past four years. So I keep hearing this thing about uh, the Kraken, release the Kraken, the, um, the mythical sea beast. And um, I imagine it has something to do with some kind of smoking gun that, that um, the Trump team allegedly has. I don't know if you've seen this meme or, or heard this. Or, or you yeah, oh, yeah. To say about it. They say it, it could be a few things. I think it personally is General Flynn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, got Sidney Powell, which is his attorney, also now working with the Trump team with the election stuff. But it also could be, I read some more of botnet that they have. But, you know, I, it could be data. It could be, you know, some kind of the thing about that stuff is, though, the thing about uh, it's like the laptop with Biden. The media doesn't report on it. So a lot of people don't see it. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with a lot of these things. And if they, if they do talk about it, they say, well, it's a full on conspiracy. It's fake and it's not real. So there's that issue. But, you know, I, I think personally, I personally feel like it's General Flynn. 
that he's either going to be finally released uh, or he's going to be pardoned by Trump one way or the other. That's and, my that's my thoughts on it. And 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 once once he was pardoned, what what do you think you'd be able to do? I think last time you said he he knows where all the bodies are. Well, yeah, he has all the information on spying on uh, with the Obama, with all these things, with Hammer, with the election fraud, with military 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 intelligence. I mean, who knows what he knows, but in terms of um, a blackmail tool and keeping him quiet, he must know something because you know he's been at this the center of this fight now for four years, and the judge refuses to let him go. And uh, now that the election is over, two things are going to happen. It, so if Trump it gets to the point where he's not going to be uh, reinaugurated or you know reelected or whatever, they are going to you know, he's going to pardon a bunch of people, and Flynn will be one of them, and then. Mm-hmm. You know, if, but maybe the judge releases this order that, that he's got over Flynn. Who knows? But it, it, it's interesting. All I know is uh, Sidney Powell always gets out there and she always says this. She's like, I don't talk unless I have the, the, the goods to back it up. And supposedly they have a, a bunch of smoking guns. I mean, just with the, with the affidavits and the information I've seen and read and yeah, of course, these lower courts are going to kick it down. But I, I think this is going to go to the Supreme Court. I think that here's the thing, the, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg thing was, was absolutely huge. The deep state was so cocky thinking that, um, that Obama or, you know, that Hillary was going to win, that Obama left all these judgeships open for her to fill on the assumption that she was going to win. And, you know, RBG was one of those things that, you know, she's been holding on to dear life. It's like, damn, how long have they been keeping her on life support to try to get uh, the next person in, in? But it didn't work. And again, this is why I think to a degree they're using some kind of looking glass technology where they can see certain events happening in space and time and they can act certain ways or, or do certain maneuvers or, you know, do certain things where they can affect reality. Um, where they can get the desired results. And I think that, I think here's the thing. I think that the deep state also uses looking glass technology, but I think in terms of the, the, the whistleblowers that have talked about looking glass, the, the, the clearer your conscience is, uh, the more light of a being, the more, I guess, uh, truthful and loving you are, the better the thing works. And so if, if Trump's on the side of the light it, and, and, this, and these things are true, that we are working towards that outcome, regardless of the operator. Now, I think Trump is a higher, not himself, right? He's not the one operating this looking glass. They have people that are like, you know, um, minority port, like, you know, psychic people that just lay in water and, and, and see visions and project these visions onto a screen or something. I think it's like that. And so they have outcomes and, and, and probabilities and they pull information off that and they act off that. And I think that, where I'm going with this is I think that Trump and the Alliance and these aliens and these beings are working towards humanity's ascension into the light. Whereas the deep state, the cabal, the Illuminati are working in the opposite direction to have control over people, to depopulate the planet, to feast off other people's energy and like body literally. Mm -hmm. And so I think in terms of how reality works out, it's always going towards the light. And, and, and that's, I think where we're headed as a, as a collective species towards the truth and the, and the light. So I think that uh, one way or the other, I mean, even if Biden gets reelected and Trump is out, the truth via whatever mechanism the universe decides through its infinite bliss and grace, that's how it will be. But in terms of me believing in Q personally, that ends the day Biden's inaugurated. 
Okay. Um, well, I wanted to take a step back from uh, the drudgery of politics a little bit because it's clear that a lot of your views are very influenced by your experience as a veteran floater. Yeah, a lot of these things are influenced by my experiences with floating and psychedelics and other forms of, you know, raising your energy, like breathing and cold water therapy, stuff like that, for sure. I, I was watching the uh, the film Altered States recently, um, which I believe is based on John C. Lilly and his experience with, uh, with float tanks. Um, but the story, you know, is about a uh, kind of... Um, wayward scientist who gets really into psychedelics and really into floating <clears throat> and he actually is able to regress backwards in time uh, through floating and I thought oh both of these things are, are very similar to the stuff that Float Universe was talking to me about. Absolutely if you get into Lily's work it gets really crazy he was doing work with dolphins taking LSD with dolphins I think he had a woman who was uh, sexually active with a dolphin not in terms of vaginal sex but uh, in terms you know she would manually stimulate the dolphin mm -hmm. and also he would you know do experiments with float tanks because he initially wanted to find a way to isolate the brain from sensory input and over time he developed what we do now which is just laying there in the dark with the epsom salts a thousand pounds of epsom salts a little bit more dense than the dead sea laying there floating naked becoming one with the universe well he started out with it uh, actually uh, vertical a vertical tank and there's been different iterations from then there but um lily was big time experimenter with lsd and he almost died actually doing ketamine in the tank so you don't want to do anything like ketamine uh, luckily, someone came in and found him uh, upside down, drowning, and saved his life. But mm -hmm. you know, but but he has all kinds of. Uh, if you read his books, all kinds of experiences with, you know, your mind and the different realities that it can project, and these entities he was in contact with, the echo, the Earth Coincidence Communication Office, and, mm -hmm. uh, and I've, I've had very similar experiences. And, and sometimes I think, well, when I have an experience like that in the tank, maybe I'm just projecting that. I, you know, I want to have that experience. And, you know, it's a hallucination I'm wanting to have and I'm projecting it. Or, or sometimes, hey, maybe I'm actually in contact with something. Uh, well, real quick, I don't know if you're familiar with the Echo the Dolphin video games. But once you learn about John C. Lilly and how it influenced that game, it, it puts, a different, uh, puts a different spin on that character. Definitely, for sure. That's like... It, when I saw, you know, I remember that game as a kid and then I got into the floating over the past few years and John Lilly and Echo and the Dolphin and all these things, right? And so I saw, you know, again a few years ago and I'm like, oh shit, I'm like, wow, that's those guys that made that game. They must have floated or they must have known about John C. Lilly somehow because that game came out pre-internet. You know, a lot of the, you know, we have such the luxury of the phone and everything we can find on the internet right in the palm of our hands. But there used to be a time where, you'd have to go to the library or, you know, you, you had a couple of channels on the TV and that was the information you'd get. And if you were lucky to even have a TV. So we've come a long way in like 20 years uh, from having barely anything to, uh, well, not 20 years, I have to say probably maybe 35, 40 years, you know, eight, mid eighties, early nineties, the dawn of the internet. But uh, that's, I'm a child of that, uh, of that time, the eighties, nineties and the two thousands. And so for me, it's just been this, yeah, this journey of information and now information overload. And uh, yeah, you go back and you look, you look at things like Echo the Dolphin and it's like, wow, these people knew then about John C. Lilly. That's crazy. But yeah, you look at that game totally different now.
I wanted to ask you specifically about your own experiences uh, traversing space-time while floating. You know, just how that's influenced you, anything that you thought was, um, any kind of personal breakthroughs that you wanted to talk about? Well, I had a personal breakthrough with floating on a physical level. There's many levels of things happening when you're floating. Physical, I think, is the most direct for people initially because you are uh, in a relative state of unconsciousness to a lot of things. And I think the body's that first level of response in an unconscious person. So, you know, there's other levels I'd say were spiritual or mental or metaphysical. But the physical uh, is definitely the first one because you're, you're, you're immersed in this Epsom salt solution right at your skin's temperature. So it's a little warm, but at a certain point, you just kind of meld and, and, and become one with it. And at that level of relaxation, your body starts to want to shift into a like a very it's going homeostatic, and it wants to go and put everything it can balance into its place. And as you're laying there, very relaxed, you can see that some of these things are like laying as they should lay. Well, for me, a whole side of my body was just all jacked up, and I couldn't get it to relax. And that was just you know after a few floats, just like wow, I didn't realize I've been very unconscious to the fact that my body's been so jacked up. And it made sense. Pretty tall guy, been in a lot of car accidents, so I've had a few head injuries and hits to the neck and the head and in the shoulder. So it, it was no surprise that I had all these things, but it was like really woke me up to. Uh, so that the body consciousness level was like, yeah, just like an immediate thing because you're, again, you're laying naked in an Epsom salt solution in the dark, no clothes on, at one with the universe there. I d definitely recommend doing 90 minutes or longer. A lot of float centers will do 60 minutes initially, but the first float is going to be you just getting a, you know, acclimated to the experience. And so it's not going to be a lot of what I'm talking about. So don't get disappointed if it's not like that the first time. But <laughs> okay. Have you floated yet? I can't remember. I have not. I have not floated. I've had a lot of psychedelic experiences, but um, I've never, I've never done a a proper float. But just so, um, just to clarify, are, are you saying that you had there were some actual um, uh, physically therapeutic aspects to floating, like it helped with chronic pain? Oh well, that's the that, that what I can sell to people as a default thing is that for sure. People who are because again, it's a thousand pounds of Epsom salt. You're laying there floating on top of it. You can't sink. Even like the fattest person, your butt won't touch the bottom. Um, so you can lay there. Even if you're skinny, you'll float. Uh, but yeah, you get the immediate benefit of the magnesium and the, and the Epsom salts through your skin. Most people are extremely magnesium deficient, actually. So that's a benefit. You you know, relaxing releases a lot of happy chemicals in the brain. And you, you just feel so relaxed. And like I said, it starts to shut your mind down and expose your mind like would a computer, uh, like an internet taskbar with too many things going Like You've got all these pages that you've opened for maybe 10 years. You just lived unconsciously. And uh, oh, it's like, shit, I don't need to keep this window open anymore. I don't believe in that anymore. That person's toxic. I can get them out of my life. And so, uh, like I said, it brings you into a greater state of awareness relative to where you were going into the float. That's, I think, another takeaway. I used to look at it like this. Um, like hit points uh, in a game, HP or whatever you call it, when you're, you're like doing, right, right. what do you call that? You're, yeah, you're farming hit, for gold or something. Okay. Like, you know, every, every time you float, you build up your HP or yeah, whatever you want to call that. But, you know, you build up that bar that you can get more and more conscious, right? So let's say or, you start or your out with XP, a, I think. I think it'd be more your XP, oh, your experience okay, points. Yeah. Okay, XP, that's a better one. Okay, so you got an XP bar, you're accumulating XP experience as you float. And so you may come into the float uh, initially very unconscious as a person. You have no meditation experience. You are, you're an atheist, 
uh, and you don't care and you're indifferent and you just live the material life and that's cool, nothing wrong with that. So you have very little conscious XP, but then you start to float and maybe you start floating a lot and that every time you get two plus five plus five, maybe you get a long float, maybe you learn to breathe differently and you, you take it to the next level plus 10. So you have better floats and better floats, you get deeper and deeper. And interestingly enough, it's this weird phenomenon of laying in the dark and being completely still and quiet, which is actually what's going to wake you up. You know, you think of like waking up with like a horn or an alarm, something loud and bright, but you awaken your spirit by going in the opposite direction of all this noise and chatter. And you're living in a world, really, I look at it, I look at the float sometimes like this is almost a counter, like a counterbalance to the world we're living in because you got endless content now you've got it on your phone mm -hmm. you've got computers everywhere you've got software scanning you you've got wi-fi 5g a million things coming and going you've got a, a million people you've never uh you, you forgot about but you remembered again on facebook that you've never thought about otherwise like you just your mind's not uh it, it built i think ultimately i think it can grow and support it but i think we've grown so fast and so mentally it's a place to like completely unplug your mind and, and, and reset it. And lots of things happen when your mind goes blank and you can connect to that sat chitananda is what they call it, the, the truth consciousness bliss. The, the under, undercurrent of reality is that, it's bliss consciousness outside of your ego, right? You know, stepping outside of that space and relaxing. So that's the, that's the main thing is a spiritual experience through just, just relaxing, which is very hard to have in a modern society. More than anything else, um, uh, meditation or, or specifically floating is is a great way to escape the um, mega noise bath that we're always in. Definitely, but uh, you know, in terms of like learning about reality and okay, yeah, you let's. I, I, I talked about the physical aspects. That's cool. Blah blah blah. That's boring. I get that. I can look that up a million times. Tell me something fun. Tell me something cool. Okay? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Step out of the tank into a new reality. Literally. Okay. So I'll give you an example. In the beginning, and I feel like psychedelics are the same way. Initially, when your mind's not exposed to something new, it blows it. It kind of blows your mind, and it gets it real excited. And it, for me, synchronicity hang, comes from an excited mind or an excited heart, an energy state which is really powerful. And through that powerful energetic state, I'm creating synchronicity because my mind is thinking of a certain thought, and it's giving it a ton of energy. And so, I when I first started floating, and the same thing with psychedelics, but we're talking about floating. So. I started floating a lot in the beginning and my reality really started to shift because it's like you're going from the, uh, you know, the gutter to the penthouse immediately in your mind. It's like amazing. Like you can go to full shut off. Like if you know how to do it, you can just shut your mind off, but it, you can learn how to do it with floating. It's amazing. And so you start doing that a lot and your reality really shifts because that's what's happening anyway. But when you put that much effort into it and you learn these tools, which are like, it's like the cheat code. You know what I mean? It's like a mm -hmm. yoga cheat code because in the, in the, in the limbs of yoga, you've got eight limbs and the last limb is Samadhi, which is this peaceful, restful, chill, enlightened state, which you're trying to use all those other limbs to get to. So you're, yeah, you're in the tank a, a ton in the beginning. You're having mind blowing shifts. Like I was addicted the first time because it was just shifting my reality so much in the, in the beginning. And, and so you're so excited all the time. And I would always come out of the tank and it would be like, man, something really changed in my reality. And it's very subtle. Like a good example was this. I lived in an apartment complex and this gym next door that was part of the apartment complex. You had to have the key to the apartment to get in. And uh, I, one day I woke up after a, a deep float and went to this the gym next door and it was a push door. The door had completely changed overnight because I, I went the day before and it was still the key lock. 
And so I went, I got my ex-girlfriend at the time. I said, come on down here and check this out. I said, look at this. They got rid of the law completely. It was important to me because a lot of times when you're having these experiences, I realized you need independent confirmation to prove you're not crazy or it wasn't a dream Mm -hmm. or you're not just thinking, you know what I mean? You're not telling yourself a lie. So I, a lot of times I learned in the beginning, I'm like, let me take a picture. Let me get independent confirmation. Let me say, hey, are you, can you see that too? So I went and brought her down. I said, look, you know, this was a locked door yesterday. I said, well, did you, I go, did you see them change the fucking thing to a push door? Did you just push the door open? And she's like, no. I'm like, all right. And then the next day I went back down and it would change back. So uh, all kinds of wacky things. I feel this doesn't have to do with floating, but it, it kind of does because I was doing a lot of floating and acid at the same time. But I feel like, when I started to float initially, it brought on all these other tools and these modalities into my life that were going to speed my evolution into where I needed to go in this life. Uh, if I wanted to, I could use some of these tools. I, I truly believe that floating on a, on a personal level, on a very subjective level, if you start floating and you have issues and you ask the universe with an open heart, and a willingness to make the extra step to do it actually when it's presented to you, mm-hmm. the floating will show you modalities personally for you that you can heal yourself. Maybe you've got mental problems. Maybe you've got physical problems. I come out of the tank and after enough work over a, 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 enough period of time, I was presented with a, a modality to, hit, to, to fix my neck. And, I, and I'm actually glad we didn't do the interview last night because my neck was killing me, mm-hmm. but it's actually feeling so much better today. And so, yeah, the float tank. Um, so I, so the thing was, you're getting in and out of the tank. You're doing all these things to, you're doing yoga, you're doing breathing practices. Cause the thing was you have these, you, you go from asleep completely to awaken to a degree. Cause I don't think people just wake up immediately. I think most people wake up gradually. Right. And so it's like, it's like, okay, first you realize you're asleep. Okay. I was asleep. Damn. Okay. What can I do to make things go faster? And then sometimes these things you want to do to make your life go faster in terms of, you know, your spiritual evolution, uh, they're ego traps, they're learning lessons, but uh, you know, they work to a degree and then you lose the magic of those. And so it's just this continuous journey of, I, of go ahead. I, I, I just want you, um, I just wanted to clarify a little bit. Well, what exactly do you think the significance of those shifting doors were? Do you think it was like a Mandela effect thing where you, you were just in two slightly different versions of the same universe? Well, no, that's the thing. So yes, I totally think it was a version of, you know, I think I truly think that in every second split second, we are, we have the opportunity to shift one way or the other into a higher or lower timeline based on the choices we make and the way we're treating our vessel, our body. And when you do things like, you know, accelerated things like yoga practices and acid or floating, like, or you combine these things, I do believe you open doorways to side realities of a different frequency and vibration um, or they are illusions of the mind, but they're still real just as much of a, as a psychedelic experience is real. Okay. Mm-hmm. You couldn't see it. You couldn't present it to your friend, but you experienced the, you know, the, the, whatever that was you experienced on mushrooms that was real to you. And you took something away from that, that helped your life, uh, become better. So mm-hmm. something you learned about yourself that you couldn't see something you needed to do, uh, in terms of a change you needed to enact in your life. But I mean, okay, let me put it to you this way. The Mandela effects increased more and more and more. Uh, as I increased my, as I put the foot to pedal to the metal on these tools, right? I was, I stopped doing it because it just got so wacky, but 2016, 
I was held to the metal on acid and mushrooms and float tank and DMT and breathing and not jerking off, all these things, like everything, all hands on deck. Let's get as much energy and as many tools as I can on the table and let's see what happens when I play with reality. This is what I've been doing for the, like the past five years. The, the, one of the biggest Mandela effects, and I tell people this on podcasts, and a lot of people can't believe it, but so I ask people, are you in right now, are we in four people in the Kennedy car, you know, the Kennedy assassination Lincoln? There's four people in that reality I came from. Now, are you in that reality now? Or are you in this reality where there are six people in the Kennedy car? So let me ask you, how many people are in the Kennedy car? that he was assassinated in? Was it four people or six people? There are, if I remember correctly, how I remember it, there are two Secret Service men in the front. But there's one Secret Service man, there's one driver. I don't know if he's Secret Service or not. There's uh, JFK and uh, Jackie Kennedy in the back, obviously. And then if I remember correctly, there were two Secret Service men who were trailing the car, who were behind the car. And I think maybe they jump on after he's shot. I, I believe that's how, how it went down. So there are four people in the car, though, is what you're saying. Actually yes. sitting in the car. Yes. Okay so, for, and, okay, so the reality I'm from, four people in the car. You've got the driver, the governor. I think the driver was Secret Service. So you've got the Secret Service driver. You've got the governor, which is the magic bullet theory guy. And then you've got Jackie and Kennedy. So we, we both agree that we came from a four people in the car. And, and the same thing happened. The Secret Service agents came to the back. I agree with you. That's the reality which we came from. So in 2016, I was doing all these things. And again, I'm a, a big Kennedy guy. So I, I, one day I started looking at the Kennedy stuff again after doing all this bullshit, acid, yoga, breathing, floating. And if you look at it now, we are in the six people in the Kennedy car reality. And then I was like, I had chills because I was looking at CERN. I'm like, is CERN doing this? Like, are they doing this particle accelerator and changing reality? Or am I doing that at an interpersonal level? And what it came down to is I think obviously we're all connected all as one. Maybe every time I put the acid in my mouth, they fired up CERN. I don't know. But all I know is now we are in the six people. So you've got two Secret Service drivers or agents in the front. You've got the governor and his wife. And then you've got Kennedy and his wife. So if you look into that, uh, a lot of people are really surprised. I mean, there's so many other Mandela effects. But there's, I think the key to Mandela effect is two things. Because it's like, oh, yeah, that was a false memory. But I think if, if, if it's out of context, which is like one mm -hmm. from James Bond, like there's a thing in James Bond with the, the, the braces. Dolly doesn't have the braces, and he does, which doesn't make any sense in the actual movie if you understand the context of the scene. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the other one is obviously something that you have like an extreme memory of, which is like why the Berenstein Bear one is another good one. People have an extreme memory of as a kid or reading those books to somebody and know, was it, was it Berenstein or Berenstain? But wait, now it's, AIN, there's no way that's possible. So mm -hmm. was it Steen or was it Stein? Everybody thought it was E-I-N or I-E-N, right, back in the day. How do you pronounce that? But actually, it's A-I-N. So I know from my own experience, I don't need anybody to tell me. I know Mandela Effect is true because alternate realities exist, and we're stepping through them very unconsciously most of our lives. Everybody's doing it every second of the day via the decisions they make. So you want to you want to make a uh, you know you want to step into a parallel reality really fast to make a very strong energetic decision uh, with your body and your mind in one direction or the other you know do something evil or do something super great you're gonna you'll see an extreme shift in your reality. I've only had one super intense Mandela effect myself, and that is I had a have a very vivid memory of watching uh, Billy Graham's funeral in 2005 the the big uh, televangelist um, uh, preacher 
And I, I swear, I watched this whole funeral and there was this whole show on TV about Billy Graham having died. And, and I remember this happened when I was in high school, but then I saw that Billy Graham died in 2018. I remember seeing that on the news. I remember being totally confused by it because I would have sworn up and down that I had already seen that man's funeral. Well, that's your own version of the actual Mandela effect. You know, people yeah. thought he was alive and then he died and then, no, oh, no, he's still alive. Then he died. That's the only one that, um, that's the only big one that I got. So when people talk about the Mandela effect, I, I can definitely empathize. I mean, I, I obviously, I don't know. I, I, um, I, I probably just misremembered it. Maybe it was somebody else who died, but that, that, that's the one that's always gotten to me. But floating definitely shifts your reality. You know, going back to that, it definitely does. I've seen, it's, it's, and the thing is, you realize how subtle these things are in life that you've actually, were right in front of your face before. You realize that everything's synchronized actually in just the right way. And if your consciousness is attuned to it, and I call it being in alignment with the source, you know, I think that there's this straight and narrow, beautifully lit line that you can get in alignment with called your path. You, you're the only one that knows how to really find that. But when you find that groove, and that alignment and that synchronicity and that bliss, uh, you know, then you know, you know, and, and you can step into those moments with the float tank. What I, I'll, I'll put it very simply, um, you know, sometimes I think, why do I do this? You know, of course, I like floating myself and it's fun to be here doing this all day. But at a certain you know, point, it maybe it gets a little, but so many people, uh, I've had a guy, a young guy, maybe under 30. And I'm like, why? He's like, why do you, I'm like, why do you float? He's like, dude, he's like, PTSD from the military and this is the mm -hmm. only thing I've, I've tried that worked so I know it works personally and, and then I see it with other people who get the benefit of it and so it's uh, ultimately after all the conspiracy stuff and all this talk about psychedelics it really is about uh, service to one which you can call God if you want mm -hmm. but uh, definitely the universe in form uh, you are I am you know our worst enemies are our best friends as well so I try to stay in that space and I, you know, sometimes I, 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 I lose wonder of the float, you know, cause it, the first time I did it, it was like, Oh wow, this is like life changing. Let me just invest my whole life in this. And sometimes you do things enough and you forget uh, how great it is. You know, you eat chocolate every day and you don't want to eat chocolate anymore. Right. It gets old after a while. So I try to hold that wonder for people of, Hey man, you're about to really step into an experience that is like, no, it's really like no other. Um, so I highly encourage people, Hopefully we won't go into a dark winter of a deep, dark lockdown. But here's the problem, man. I keep seeing it, man. I keep seeing it. And it's not just in the United States. So I follow probably 800 float centers on one account. And it's just me following float centers. And I, it's America. It's, it's Australia. It's Europe. It's all these places. And I've seen a lot go down in America over the past six months. People selling or shutting down their float centers because, you know, I think of a float center, like a middle, a good middle-class small business. Um, and to see these go down as many as I've seen them go down, that's what I'm worried about at this point is, you know, and, and I hate to say that I'm right about the Illuminati and the globalists, but it's looking more and more that way as I think we're locking down for the flu, you know, basically like, why don't we just lock up the sick people, but they have to wear the mask, you know, the actual sick people. I've never seen anything like this. And it's actually terrifying what's been going on. Forget about the election. Uh, forget about Trump. I mean, I, I hate to say this. And so I know a lot of people cringe when I say this, that are listening, but so, sometimes I feel like Trump is the only thing in, in, in terms of a figurehead with these people behind the scenes, but he's the only thing that you know gets any kind of media time because they have to because he's the president that is working actively against the, the globalists 
you know, you get Alex Jones out there, but he's a kook and uh, he's, he's, he's disinfo and half the stuff is true, half isn't. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's so, so for me, it's, I look and I see, I, I don't need to talk about Trump to say that the globalist plan is in action. I mean, hopefully other people can see that. And it, it, does it look like a conspiracy at this point? I don't know. I mean, everything's been shut down. All the Q accounts, all the things that are trying to get what we consider the truth. We don't know what the truth is ultimately, um, because that's the thing. You know, I, people thought, oh, well, Trump's going to uh, get elected and he's just going to continue to move the globalists uh, onto their plan. You know, well, maybe not. Maybe tr- Trump really was actively working against the globalists and you know i'm gonna all, i'm gonna I'll, I'll fall back by saying i i still trust q and q for me ends on the election day if trump is not uh being elected because i just well, don't see it going any further well i wanted I, I i wanted to um uh I've, I've been trying to get you uh pull you pull you back into more of the um big picture stuff because when you mention things about like um, extraterrestrials or you know what in in psychedelic experience people call entity contact um, I was really curious to to hear some of your views on that if you if you have any strong opinions about stuff like ancient aliens if you have any theories about what the so-called machine elves are that sort of thing well yeah I think you're dealing with two different things definitely you've got the interpersonal subjective psychedelic experiences of entities and you know the Terrence McKenna machine elves and mm-hmm whatever other beings high or low you may encounter via the psychedelic experience. One thing I'll say right off the bat, mushrooms, I think in terms of an extraterrestrial communication device, if you really want to talk to extraterrestrials in my psychedelic experience, those are the ones you want to take at a very high dosage. And you, you kind of get into the same DMT space, but it's just something different about mushrooms versus DMT in terms of the aliens. Now, I for a long time just said, you know what? via my own personal experience the only thing that's real for me is the you know what i'm contacting via psychedelics Mm -hmm. and i've never had any kind of like contact that's been maintained through more than one trip it's just been okay i got a message and i'm out of that space and here i am Mm -hmm. back can i even do something with that message or not now the other thing i've really wanted to believe for years and as i've gotten more into the q movement and the secret space program and all these things i've kind of known as a conspiracy theory but look to be more and more realistic and and, and probable you know you've had like the military and the the cia come out over the past year and say we've got the the vehicles and you've you've had whistleblowers for years you've had trillions of dollars missing from uh, you know military budgets that go on the black programs and and unacknowledged special access projects stuff like that these things exist you know those things have actually been reported on in real so it's like Okay, then if you get into that stuff, you want to start believing these things like, again, Project Looking Glass, that one of the, one of the main guys disclosing on Project Looking Glass, his main thing was to try to help, he was a biologist trying to help extraterrestrials uh, revive their genetic code. He's saying that a lot of these extraterrestrials that are, tra- that are coming in, a, in a, a physical space, that we're, you know, a non-psychedelic space, are time travelers, us from the past, trying to fix what we screwed up. That's one of the that's one of the stories you get. And then, you know, if you follow some of this stuff, you've got, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 different species have been interacting with these governments now for at least the past 60, 70 years. And, you know, the thing that caused all the attention was the, you know, detonation of the atomic weapons, you know, in the 30s, the 40s, 50s. So um, they're here on the terrestrial level. And it's supposedly there's subterranean aliens and there's terrestrial aliens. It's like a men in black situation where you've got, you know, uh, you know, aliens and human body suits and clones and robotoids and hologram people and reptiles. 
and all kinds of things on the terrestrial level. And then you've got celestial beings and avatars and gods. And then whatever you want to consider that in the fourth and fifth dimension, aliens or demons, right? Mm -hmm. Angels, uh, you know what I mean? Like, so maybe the people in the Bible were like, oh, these aliens, we're just going to call them demons. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, so there's that. I, I do think there is starting to be more and more truth to actual physical uh, interactions with these beings because I almost have to believe it if I'm going to believe in the Project Looking Glass stuff, which through my understanding of that technology is totally possible if you could you know, reverse engineer your own pineal gland, which is you know, your imaging tool of your brain, your third eye. Mm -hmm. So it's been this interesting journey of me believing more over the past year in terrestrial human, human contact disclosure situations wanting to happen than over the past you know, whole life prior to that. Because my whole life prior to that has just been uh, psychedelic experiences with things that were telling me they were alien but you know how can you confirm that i just i think it's interesting that um what you hear from a lot of people about the dmt experience is that they see they they enter a a world that exists under an impossible physics and they see impossible structures and they see these impossible uh machine-like beings that are working in ways that um can't really even be described and then a lot of the ufo lore is about these sort of impossible machines doing impossible things um, that that are that are difficult for for people to describe. I guess it's just it's always interesting to me that there's there's this weird overlap between the kind of psychedelic, earthy, natural aesthetic, and then also the 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 weird psychedelic kind of machinic um, aspect. Now those two things sort of overlap. Well, you know, I think with LSD and DMT and even maybe salvia divinorum in the extract form, I think sometimes you're encountering, so there's this theory, and I think, I don't know if it's Terrence McKenna, where I heard this, but basically the psychedelics have the information of the people that have used them stored within the experience. So for example, if you're using ayahuasca, which has been around for 5,000 plus years, in, in that experience, even though I'm sitting in 21st century uh, Orlando, Florida, I'm going to have the jungle black cat. Uh, You're going to see a jaguar, right? Exactly. I'm going to have a jungle experience for no reason, right? Why is that? Well, okay, so so that's the theory. And it's, it's like, okay, they look at a drug like ketamine, which is relatively new, and you go into that space of ketamine, they say, and there's nothing there. We haven't, we haven't imprinted enough time, and which is why with LSD, it's been around since the 30s, 40s, 50s, you've got this imprint of, yeah, it's a technological drug. And uh, that's why mushrooms, I say, Terrence McKenna thinks they came from a, uh, asteroid. Well, I was just I was just going to say what what stands out to me about mushrooms and what makes them what what, what has always made psilocybin so different than everything else. Um, it just in my own personal experience is that I always feel like I'm being uh, I'm interacting with my ancestors. So it's interesting that you're you're talking about this idea of um, uh, impression. I mean, I guess you know the the I guess mushrooms have been around so long. I guess all of our our ancestors would be sort of imprinted in them, right? That that makes sense too, from kind of my theory as well. That uh, you know, it's a, but it's also they've been here for so long, and they will. They kind of show you what you need to see. I think too. I think they the whole psychedelic is not about what you want, but what you need. Mm -hmm. And is I've never been able to recreate an experience as much as I've wanted to, as much as I've had the same psychedelics from the same batch and the same almost set the same set of circumstances. You're ultimately 
you never get that same experience again. You're never the same chemical bag that experienced it in that same time frame. So it's just, and, and it doesn't make sense that the universe would be that way and give you that same experience. It likes novelty. And so, yeah, I think uh, you want to, you, you want to talk to extraterrestrials the fastest, like I said, mushrooms at a very high dose and then DMT. And then if you want to get really wacky with your mind, because I think a lot of these things are obviously reflections of your mind as well. I think sometimes DMT is your mind unfiltered with, you know, without the filters of the five senses and then some lesson that the universe wants to give you in terms of why you're there and how you got there uh, in terms of your karmic propensity for revelatory information. Cause you know, how many, how many times have you done DMT? Uh, I just had one, one big trip. And what happened? <laughs> uh, as I like to say, I got the full Joe Rogan experience. Um, you know, I was, I was, uh, I was taken through a light. There was a, a constellation of conscious beings that seemed to know me, wanted to talk to me. They, you know, just sort of gave me some, some basic, I was at a particularly low point in my life. So they, they, they gave me some advice about what to do. Um, then I, I kind of got taken over the edge, so to speak. Um, I, I was, uh, you know, it's obviously difficult to describe, but there was a, um, sort of a block of, of um, infinite knowledge that was dropped on me. And I, I could see a whole, this whole spectrum of, again, I don't know how else to describe it, but it was, it was kind of like liquid space time that was being run through me. And I was kind of saying, you know, this is a little too intense. This is a little bit more than I wanted to see, uh, but they wouldn't release me from this. And then uh, finally, just like that, they, they sort of dropped me back into my body and, and sent me back to earth. So it was, it was really like every, you know, if you take like near death experience, uh, abduction experience, uh, religious uh, theophany, you know, visionary experience. It was kind of all of those rolled into one. And the thing that has always really stuck with me is why should that be? Why should it be that this simple little chemical triggers this, uh, how to describe it, trigger, takes everybody to this mythological universe um, every time that they do it? I don't know, but one of the one of the takeaways from the DMT trip the first time for me was Alex Gray, that artist that paints all these things, and yeah. the, the the tool artist. He is painting from a space of real existence. I, you yeah. know, I thought initially, I thought, well, you know, I didn't know anything about DMT and Alex Gray's art when I first encountered Alex Gray's art. I thought, wow, that's really cool. I wonder where that guy thinks of those things, you know, and, but then you smoke DMT and you're like, oh well, shit, this is an actual place that exists. And uh, yeah, just, exactly. He's just going from memory here somehow. <laughs> yeah, that this is a this is a place that everyone is going to, and I think what what stands out to me with, with DMT is that it is so um, it is so uniform for so many people. It's so similar. Uh, it, it's not with with other with other psychedelics. People's people's experiences seem to vary much more, but with DMT, like you said, it's like going to an actual place. Yeah, it's very interesting stuff, and I've got access to it, and I've and I've done it maybe four or five times. And the more you do it, I think for me at least, I'm trying to get to this guy. He, I want to interview. He's done it like a thousand times, and he, I guess, worked himself up to a point where he had no fear for it. Because I'm still, I'm very fearful of it. Knowing knowing the power of it, I don't, you know. I I, I personally can't imagine not being afraid of it. Right. So you're you're not <laughs> rushing to do it again either, are you? I thought what what I what I what I said to a lot of my friends is that if it's if it's possible to go further than that I don't I don't need to I'm I'm good. I <laughs> well, you know, Terrence McKenna gave it to 
uh, I think it was Tibetan monks, and he asked them what it was like, mm-hmm. and they said it was like the outer edges of the bardo. After yes. more than that, more than that, you can't come back. Yes, yes, I, I I remember hearing that story. I also one of my favorite Terence McKenna stories is um, I believe uh, 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 I'm almost positive it was DMT. He, he he was talking about a DMT experience he had where he got taken to this lizard civilization. And they were like explaining, they're kind of like lizard people. They're explaining to um, him their entire civilization and, and the, the towns that they lived in and their art and all of that. And it was like, you know, the most amazing thing he'd ever seen. And he could never get back there. He always wanted to go back there with, um, with DMT, but he could, he could never get back to the, um, the strange lizard civilization. Well, that's, you know, that's one of the wacky things about DMT. It's like a Star Trek The Next Generation episode. I can't remember what it's called, but it, <laughs> yeah. it's the one where Picard has like a flute and he goes into this space and he has like, he lives his whole other life. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. How he gets yeah. And then he I, wakes up and he, and he has this flute and he can play the flute and he, remember, he remembers his whole life. He lives his whole life in the span of like an episode and he comes back as Picard and he can remember it. And I can't remember what that's called, but it's, uh, that I, is, I, yeah, you know exactly. I'm a, I'm a huge Next Generation fan. And that episode, it's because that society um was destroyed and they saved their a record of their entire civilization in some sort of holodeck um simulation uh that that, that anyone could could live their way through it just as a record that they had existed and one of the um wackiest explanations i've ever read for dmt and but it's always stuck with me because it was so much fun it's kind of similar to this episode um it was someone wrote this little essay on erwin and he, he was saying that his theory for what dmt was is that somehow some aliens from another universe had fine-tuned our universe so that they could load um, a record of their universe into DMT. And that's what DMT is. Wow. Well, it's uh, something that needs to be done before you die, I think. And I think it's true. Terrence McKenna talks about that as well. Sex and psychedelics, specifically DMT. Uh, because you do a little bit of acid and mushrooms, you think you've done a big dose and you really haven't done anything. And you, then you move on and say, oh, well, acid wasn't anything, mushroom wasn't anything. But the thing is, I mean, it, it, it can be a commitment to do a high dose sometimes and to really understand those drugs. But DMT, you're going to understand it immediately if you do it right the first time. There's no mistaking. And the thing about DMT, for me, at least the good side about it, acid you're done. You're done the next day. Sometimes longer than that, depending on how high of a dose you go. Mushrooms, mm-hmm. you feel pretty good the next day, but you're still kind of drained. Uh, DMT, you're gone. You're in another dimension. You're having a whole Picard-like life for 80 <laughs> years. And then you come back to your existence as you, whoever you are, and you have no, except for your mind being completely exploded from the experience, you have no physiological problems in terms of lag or exhaustion or, you know, because with LSD, on a brain scan, the brain is entirely lit up. So your brain's lit up for like eight hours. Like that takes a tremendous amount of energy to run your brain like that. And so that's why a lot of people, unless you really, uh, uh, I forget what the term is called, when you take the right kind of supplements and stuff, but unless you do that the right way, a lot of these psychedelics like MDMA is another one. Uh, they're pr- extremely draining on your body. Yes, yeah. So uh, tread those waters with caution. But mushrooms, I feel like, Everybody should do mushrooms, and I feel like it's okay to even do a high dose as a rookie because here's my understanding with mushrooms, and I learned this on a low dose, which was, uh, you know, we controlled the experience. I thought, you know, one day I was going to have five grams. It was going to be a nice big dose, and I was going to learn some magnificent lesson, and they were nothing. Nothing happened, really. Nothing. It was disappointing. Mm -hmm. And then a couple months later, I did maybe less than a gram. Nothing. Just a piss and amount, and I'm on the ground 
with my friends who are just eating normal amounts, they're having fun and I'm, you know, I'm crying and breathing heavy and in a fetal position. And a mushroom just told me that like, look, we control what happens here. Uh, so you can give, how I give people mushrooms is I say, here's a bag, take as many as you intuitively feel to take. And if you feel like you want to be a big guy and eat the whole bag at once, the mushrooms I think are going to be gentle enough to give you the right lesson, no matter how nimble and humble you are or uh, how awkward and uh, just, you know, domineering and cocky you are. So I think either way, you're going to get your lesson. So I, now with acid though, and a lot of those other drugs, research chemicals, tread with caution because I've seen people, latent schizophrenics become active. Let me just put it that way. Mm -hmm. So um, I know that I know that uh, that can be triggering for people who have that tendency. Yeah, Brian Wilson supposedly is a famous example of that. Uh, mm-hmm. But he did a whole bunch of other things too. So who's really to say? But yeah, he's one of those ones that d- developed uh, extreme schizophrenia from heavy acid use. So the uh, speaking of schizophrenia, uh, the last thing that I wanted to ask you about is just sort of like big picture models of time. You know, there's people who believe in, like myself, who, who are very um, prone to the uh, many worlds theory, that there's multiple timelines that maybe we, we are always bumping into alternate timelines. I just spoke to someone recently uh, who's a big advocate of the glass block universe, that there's really only one, one perfect sort of circular uh, block of space-time that we're all in, that there are not multiple universes. Just, I just uh, wanted to get, get your take on that as, as, a, as a bit of a time traveler yourself. My experience leads me to believe that we are all part of one larger omnipresent, uh, omnipotent being, call it what you want. We are a subjective smaller part of that. Now, what kind of space time do we sit in? That's a very interesting question. My experience tells me you can switch. You can switch timelines. That there are multiple timelines that exist. Q even talks about this with the Looking Glass. But my forget about that. My own personal experience tells me that there are just realities where just the smallest differences are there. If you're conscious enough to see them, and maybe you'll blip in and out of that reality via your. Um, I, I try to think maybe it's like this, like a radio station and radio waves, and you're on the dial, and we all exist on the dial simultaneously. But if I'm on 101.1, that's the station I'm on. And that's where you can find me and hear me. And you can get on that station and we can vibe together. And you attract certain things at certain frequencies. Certain, it looks like maybe it's a different timeline, but maybe it's just a higher frequency of the same timeline. I do think that the mind exists, like you exist within your mind. And what you're trying to do, like think of the mind like the cube of Saturn, like that black cube that all the Satanists worship, right? The black cube is the mind, is the, uh, what do they call that? The demiurge. And in my time travels or mind travels, I've learned on LSD, I've learned in float tanks, I've learned with breathing exercises. uh, Multiple tools have taught me that multiple realities exist within the one larger picture so it's like this this mind this infinite mind cube sits within 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 this infinite ocean of the one which is god and you can break free of the mind via floating undo the cube because it's interesting if you look at jesus on the cross they talk about this the cross if you uh fold it up it's it, it forms a cube so you're trying to break out of the cube break out of the mind free yourself so i think yeah there's this cube is an interesting way to put it i think the mind is a cube it's a program 
that is infinite. There's infinite levels where aliens exist, where aliens don't exist, where the earth is flat, where it's round, where it's a, where it's a, a, a realm. Infinite realities are possible. You have to dial into them. And I ultimately think that you are an infinite awareness watching this mind cube, thinking you are in it and of it, but you're actually this infinite awareness and you're supposed to be going back home to that. You know, I'm watching, I've kind of learned that I'm, there's not much free will and I'm watching a movie, like I'm thinking of it like this, like I'm a, I think I'm in a movie theater as a director thinking I can stop the movie theater, pull actors back in, cut the film, reshoot it, and then no, 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 the film's already playing. I can't stop the film. The film of my life is something that as an awareness I'm watching and acid floating have given me just enough space or understanding to, to want to keep trying to get in that space of infinite bliss that uh, this body and this mind, like, you know, the mind is samsara. It's this, mm-hmm. this cycle of, uh, you know, birth and, and rebirth and death over and over again until we wake up to the fact that we're in the mind and we can escape it. We can break the cycle and we can, you know, swim in that infinite ocean that's just outside of the cube, that bliss, that, that substratum of reality of bliss consciousness, which is everything. And, and it's always available, which is what grace is. Grace is you stepping back, letting go and being shown a path if you are able to see it without enough ego and able to actually have the courage to walk through it and to receive it. And some people aren't, they don't feel like they're worthy for that or they're not ready to receive it or it's just not their time in terms of that lesson learned, but it's always available. If you're hearing this now, you can stop and breathe and ask in whatever way you want to address the universe, to have the grace to no, no, no subjective truths about what you need to do, what you need to do. And what floating does, Ultimately, it brings you enough stillness to actually start hearing that voice inside of you, which with, you know, your phone and TV and the election and your, your interpersonal relationships and all these, all the, all the volume in your mind, you can't hear the little voice, your intuition. And so as you float, that gets louder. And that you, you, not only do you look at your life and say, well, I can get rid of a lot of this shit. I don't need, I can look at my mind and say, well, I don't need to believe that anymore. That person's lying to me. I can see that relationship from a now i have more creative ideas for my business or i need to do this or that the floating slows everything down calms you down it brings you back to some kind of physical homeostasis as much as possible and then when it does it gets you to a point where it shows you what the next thing to do is and uh, for me it's been when i got into this space of floating there was only one person really talking about it joe rogan and you know mm-hmm. he talk about it he talk about it in passing oh i have one in my house it's great you should do it well <laughs> Uh, you know, to, to get into this territory, though, it's kind of kook territory. And before I was doing floating full time and doing psychedelics full time, I was I had a regular job and I dealt with regular people. And, you know, I, I was a photographer, so it was a little artsy. But still, I had a professional business that helped that I held myself out as. And so it's been a, a, me coming out as this weirdo and being obsessed with floating over the past few years. And now, now it's been pedaled to the metal with the Q stuff. But you know, part, part, the big thing with me now is that people want me to keep talking about Q because all the avenues are being shut down where they can hear it, where they, you know, you're not allowed to talk about it and it, it's still happening. So it's going to be, if, if I have any advice to people listening, A, just float, relax, like learn to relax. That, that's what floating will do. Mm-hmm. It's like a cheat code. I, it's a cheat code for your body. But then, hey man, get ready, buckle up, buy, buy toilet, buy, buy toilet paper. Um, because if Trump wins, it's going to be chaos. And if Biden continues, I think it's going to be new world order lockdown. So one way or the other, be prepared, 
Um, I wasn't prepared last time. I just caught wind of the second wind coming around. And I, you know, luckily, thank God I'm in Florida. The governor last to close down, first to open back up. We'll see what happens. So I don't know what else to do, but just uh, watch the show at this point because Q is either going to be really proven or disproven here in the next few uh, months. All right. I don't think you could have wrapped a better bow on it. Thank you. It's uh, always a pleasure talking to you. You, you have the best, uh, you're the best prepared guy I've ever talked to. And I've talked to a few different people. Uh, so. I, I appreciate it, Float. You know I try. You know I try here at Schizotopia. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it really helps, I realize, with the content. If it, you know going into, uh, to a degree, what you're going to talk about. But that's... Uh, Actually, there's just one last thing that I wanted to, to talk about or mention. I've just been very recently, just barely getting into uh, the works of a man named Peter Kingsley. And Kingsley is very interested in, or he's written very extensively on the pre-Socratics. It's like the very beginnings of Western philosophy. And what makes him controversial or what he's been looking at is that many of the pre-Socratics practice something called incubation, where they would go into a dark cave and enter some trance-like state and talk to goddesses, and that this was the foundation of their philosophy. And I mean, what does that sound like to you? Sounds exactly like floating, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> exactly. So you maybe, so, you know, you're, you're, you're in good company. Oh, well, I, I didn't even know that. So that's one more tool in the, in the bag now of the, the, the floating, you need to float arsenal. But for sure, man, I mean, it, it really does work. I've sacrificed everything. And talking about my career before and, and needing to be a voice for this stuff, nobody was talking about it. Uh, well, is there anybody, um, is there anybody you want to give a shout out to? And anything, any resources in particular you want to give a shout out to? I always let people people uh, uh, give a shout out. Uh, yeah, no, just follow me on Instagram, Float Universe, and all the platforms, really, if you want to keep up with this wacky stuff. But nothing, that, that's what I want people to know. I have no financial skin in this game at all. Uh, you know what I mean? There's a lot of people in the Q community who they call patriots, right? They get paid. Right. They have T-shirts. They have Patreon, stuff like that. I just care about knowing the truth. And that's why I'm, 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 I'm okay if I'm wrong. I just want to know, hey, is this true? It makes sense to me. Uh, so I'm not a patriot. There's no money involved here. Just uh, if, if you do anything, just take care of yourself. If you want to you know, support me, support yourself because we are all one. And uh, by making yourself a better person, you make that world around you just a little better and it all just spreads from there. All right, uh, Float, thank you so much for coming on. Um... If the if the hammer drops and things start to go down, you want to come back on and talk about it? Yeah, either way, I'm always open to it. Now, if the hammer drops, obviously it'll be more interesting to talk about because I <laughs> yeah. will be I will be right. And then uh but even if I bag on my face, I'm totally cool to come back and talk about that and then talk about whatever weird schizo thing we can think of next. All right, awesome. And can I just get a float on? Float on, my friend, float on. All right, thanks so much, man. Thank you.